I will say the one thing about this movie, especially, they don't actually do a lot of magic. It's really telling because there's a lot of points where people are in peril and they just they treat it like regular humans. Regular folks. Key point would, would be when they're being surrounded by spiders and the spiders clearly don't like blight. Yep. Can I get a Lumos? Can I get, <laughs> Give can me I something. Get... You're out. Welcome back to the Millennial Classics, y'all. On this podcast, we talk about the best and most memorable movies, music, and culture-changing events from our generation. Burry, how you doing today? How we doing? How we doing? I'm doing good. Excited to talk about this movie. Uh, not the best, but it could be way worse. So... <laughs> I have so many things to say about this movie. Like the Harry Potter movies, I would say they're not the most rewatchable movies. It's like a journey that you have to be going through. Have you ever just sat down and played a Harry Potter movie just like, let's do this right now? Or is it always like an event type thing? I have to say, there's like different ways to rewatch movies. Some movies, I can just, like, for instance, I just rewatched Die Hard 3 last week during Christmas. Easy because it's one of my one of my favorite yeah. movies, and you can literally just from get go you just start and you just watch the whole thing. When I rewatch Lord of the Rings, I actually skip all the Smeagol parts. I just fast forward <laughs> right through that because I don't give two shits about that part. He's annoying. And on the rewatch, like I don't need to see that, so I just skip skip ahead, skip ahead. This movie, it's not as fun as Die Hard, but there's no like skipping parts. I'll say. Okay. Yeah. Like, I there's mean- no like full scenes that are. It's just a long movie, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I mean, the closest would be Dobby, but those scenes are so short and so few. But as you can tell, folks, we are doing Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the second movie in the uh, in this franchise before Mumbury. Let's get into this, right? Because we did the Chamber of Secrets first. And you told me something wild that while I was watching this movie kept on rattling in my head. It, there's no way in hell that the first movie was worse than this movie for you. You said that the first movie was probably your least favorite. Do you still think that? The thing I like about this is the mystery of it. It's a little bit more serious to the point where sometimes I'm like, yo, this is a kid's movie because like that spider scene is legitimately, I think would be scary for a young kid. But I like the mystery behind it. The twist, it's like a baby Shyamalan movie kind of in there with the twist of Tom Riddle is Voldemort. Is Voldemort, yeah. You know, the other one, Sorcerer's Stone, it's like they play chess and then the bad guys on the back of the head of the the teacher. It's very like kidsy, yeah. Right. This, this one, a lot, yeah. It kind of has a bit more action. They fight a snake. I mean, are these kids actually dying? These kids are petrified. What does that actually right. mean? It's a right. fucking ginormous snake. It does. It does lack the whimsy and the thing of the first one, like the upbeat. Oh, everything's so cool. Um, you're discovering things, but I kind of like the serious tone a bit better. Okay. Yeah, because it gets more and more serious throughout. And like you said, the last time it gets darker and darker and darker. As you guys know, uh, this movie did come out uh, November 14, 2002. So before we get into the actual deets, let's get into the millennial time machine. And I'd like to walk you guys through a day. In my life, our lives, if you were to jump out of the Millennial Time Machine in 2002, you would see me waking up wearing the most baggy clothing in the history of the world, like everyone was. Um, At least in my house, the most baggy I could get away living with some African parents. And then you would see out in the world 
folks with the iPod second generation. Well, Burry, this was the iPod with clickers. You know, I've never owned or even seen one of these because it was so expensive when the iPods first came out that they became usable for most people when it was the like the circle with the. Yeah, the wheel. The, with the wheel, the one that actually like rolled. Yeah. But this, the first this, one had like a FireWire port, if I remember correctly. It had like I a did, literally plug-in. This was still back in the day when I was using CDs and Faisal, DJ Faisal Faze was lime wiring the shit, burning all the CDs. And the song that hit, the song that blew up, the song that exploded in 2002, specifically November, was Lose Yourself by Eminem. It is vomit on a sweater already, mom's spaghetti. And it did tag along with the movie 8 Mile. I don't know if you guys know how big of a deal this movie was, but to the chagrin of Dr. Umar Johnson, this song alone put Eminem in the conversation for greatest to ever do it. Like, I mean, this song took over the globe, took over the planet. This was the biggest thing that's happened in music, especially for white rappers than ever before. Grand Theft Auto Vice City was the game to play on PlayStation 2. I remember specifically going home and opening that CD case. You know how you would have all those cheat codes written down? Yeah. Of course, you needed it. You have to use it. Oh my God. Yeah, you had to do like XX triangle X, square. Yeah. R1, R2, turn around, <laughs> left, right, left, right. You'd be doing all these jerky motions. And then to, uh, to, to finish it off, the movies, the movies that we were watching in 2002, the second, The Lord of the Rings, obviously, Harry Potter. Spider-Man, the very first Spider-Man, uh, the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Star Wars Episode 2. I don't like sand. And I'm going down these lists, and number five was Men in Black 2. Remember, like, I really do feel like we've been just going over this nostalgia bait with the movies for, for like, forever. I don't feel like we get new movies anymore. It's all, like, overused IP, old stuff. Like I mean, we just talked... I we talked about this when we talked about a movie review, but I just saw a graph of the highest grossing debut films, like the highest grossing non-sequels, and 2023 has three of them. Wait, that's seriously? how long it's been. That's how long it's been. Oh, shit. Barbie, Oppenheimer, and Super Mario Bros. Barbie and Super Mario are in the top, like, 10. They're like five and that's six. craziness. It's crazy. That just shows you, and the last time we had... Three new movies that was like 19, it was like 1975 or something. Do you think that this is like just Hollywood being super conservative, only wanting to do the things that actually work 1000%? Or do you think it's like a truly creative thing? Like people. No, I, I think 100% right now it's superhero fatigue. Like, oh, yeah. I okay. was 100% watched every Marvel movie. I stopped a while back, and then the last one I saw, I saw Quantumania, and it was literally the worst Marvel movie I've seen in a long time. It's horrible. And horrible. then Thor 4, which I thought would, which came out last year, I thought would be good, was bad. Horrible. Which was like a shock, because all the Thor movies have been pretty good. And then, and then obviously you have Warner Brothers and all Sony, and they're all trying to come up with things. I think there was like a Blue Beetle movie. I haven't I seen that even, yet. I don't even know what that is. So yeah. we're at the point where people are just like, there's too many superheroes. There's a Madam Web movie. I don't know what that is. Did you see uh, Aquaman 2? No. 
I haven't seen it either. Like, that's no. the thing. It's like, I, I, I don't mind waiting until it comes out on HBO. And then you know they're all going to come out on HBO. 100%. Marvel started using, like, the TV shows are getting worse and worse. So <laughs> And now you need to watch the TV shows to get what's happening in the movies. And, and you need to watch the movies to get what's happening in the TV shows. It's just now it's becoming like a job to it's watch exactly. all this stuff. Thanks and for no thanks. I think people are getting tired of that. So when people started getting tired of that... Now all these different movies that are a bit different start to shine. Oppenheimer, Barbie. Pillars of the Flower Moon. Right. Even so though you it have, didn't do that good. Hopefully this continues. All that to say that all those movies that I mentioned in the top five for the grossing for 2002, it's so it, it feels like a list of movies that we would be watching today. And it just it makes me a little sad, to be honest, going down that top five. And it's like, was this in 2002 or can it be in 2023? And it just feels so like, this is where we've been. So hopefully the next 5, 10, 15 years from now, we're not looking at the top five movies of this year and being like, it's the exact same list in 2033, yeah. you know? Yeah. But anyways, that is uh, your Millennial Time Machine. Mumbury, the making uh, makings and ratings. Take it away. Okay. So this actually came out to some pretty solid reviews. Critics loved it. They loved the performances and Lockhart's performance, especially 82% Rotten Tomatoes made 926 million box office, which Hot is great. Right, so this, if it came out now, it'd be a another movie. Budget was a hundred million. They started, they literally started filming this one week after the first one came out. So that just tells you what schedule these were on when yep. they were coming out, because it was the biggest movie Then the next one needs to come out. And then it was just, and honestly, they do a pretty good job of that because the kids look pretty much the same. Exactly. Or, yeah. And you don't get into this thing where it's like someone's like six feet tall and it's 13. Director yeah, like- is Christopher Columbus. So this is a same director as the first one. And then this is the last time they, he did these two movies. I didn't write down all the actors again because we kind of did that yeah. already. I didn't want to do it, but I do want to shout out two that were new to this movie that have standout performances. Toby Jones is Dobby. We know Tony Jones. He's, uh, I think he's Zemo in Captain America. Oh, he's a short dope. guy. Hung, he's yes. in Hunger Games. Yes. He's in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Great actor. He's in a Sherlock episode. He plays a bad guy. Kenneth Branagh. Uh, he plays Lockhart in this. He plays, he does Hamlet, the detective, and all the like the murder in the Orient movies. He's also in Oppenheimer. Those are the only two new guys. They both kill it. I don't know. Um, is Did Chris Columbus, I know he's the director, but I watched this interview with J.K. Rowling. Is he, he wasn't also the screenwriter. You wouldn't happen. Oh, no, it's not. I'm looking at it right now. No, Steve Cloves. Steve Cloves. This is just for like the folks who have read the books and then watched the movies. Steve Cloves does such a good job because they so much stuff. And I'll point some of it out throughout the scenes, but they do a fantastic job from book to movie. Columbus did uh, Mrs. Darkfire, Home Alone, and then Rent, the movie, and The Help. Oh, okay. That's a pretty good list. Yeah, it's all right. Didn't The Help win an Oscar? Tavia Spencer got nominated or won? <laughs> we can jump right into the scenes. Please, let's jump into the scenes. This movie's worst character is Dobby. <laughs> Just annoying. Do you really think the... so? Like, do you really, really think so? Yeah, just annoying from the get-go. Insanely Tough annoying. watch. Every Very time you watch difficult. it, you're just like, why is this dude bullying a kid that he wants to help? Doesn't make much sense. Then Dobby must do it, sir. The actions of the Dursleys always confuses me in this movie because just to start right out and from the very beginning of the movie, they hate Harry Potter. 
hate him. It's also established that he could have had his whole room this entire time. They just made him sleep under the stairs for no reason in the first movie. Where's, <laughs> Where's child, child services? services? Where's, Where's child protective services? services? If you walk in and there's an empty room upstairs and the kid is sleeping under the stairs, <laughs> like, I don't get how that would even be allowed. Uh, yeah. Uh, or if you're walking down the street and you see a man I'm screwing on a metal fucking barn fence. Yeah, and that is so many red flags everywhere. Yeah. He hates Harry's guts. For some reason, he wants Harry to stay. I just don't understand that. If you hate some, you hate him so much that you actually would rather him be miserable with you and both of you guys be miserable than him to just leave. Leave and, and let you guys be. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of that room, um, it was a beautiful quote that I had mentioned in that intro. We even let you have Dudley's second bedroom out of the goodness of our hearts. Bruh. Can you imagine? Harry drops, well, Harry, when Dobby drops the cake on the lady. I'm sorry. My nephew is very disturbed. disturbed. That's why yeah. we keep him upstairs. <laughs> yeah. In 2023, be like, he's, he's neurodivergent. Neurodivergent. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. So he also goes, You just interrupted me. I was just getting to my Japanese golfer joke. <laughs> so I then was like, I kind of want to hear what this Japanese golfer joke is. So I looked it up, I went online, did some digging, found a, a subreddit where they threw out some jokes that he could have said. Yeah. So I'll just I'll just throw them out for you. Let me hear we'll them. Because it, right. it wasn't in the book. <laughs> there was no Japanese golfer joke. All right, all right. So yeah. a California businessman, while in Japan for some business meetings and free rounds of golf, arrived in Tokyo a day earlier than expected. Feeling lonely that evening, he employed the services of a beautiful young Japanese girl to be his companion for the evening. Good for him. Although the Japanese girl spoke very little English and the businessman spoke no Japanese, their passion roared. And in the heat of the moment, she began yelling, Gamasu. Gamasu. Hearing Which this, means? the Californian knew he had pleased his female Japanese friend and soon afterwards went to sleep. The next day, while playing golf with his Japanese business colleagues, one of the Japanese partners holed his shot from 170 yards away. Everyone went crazy and began yelling excitedly in Japanese. Wanting to impress his friends, the Californian joined in and began yelling, Gamasu! Gamasu! Suddenly, everyone became quiet. After a moment of silence, one of the Japanese turned to him and asked, wrong hole. What do you mean wrong hole? Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, okay. Well, okay. good for them. Now, I, guess. I don't think he would have said that one in front of the kid and the, and the wife, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a little wrong hole joke. I don't know how that works in uh, when you try to impress your employer, but sure. So yeah, like so the, the end of that scene, right? Um, when he's getting pulled out of the house with the car, is that a that's a new scene for you? I'm assuming. I honestly said you could start this movie arriving to at Ron's the, house. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I said that makes we sense. could just start there. We actually, know we know the Dursleys are assholes. Exactly. And I guess we I guess you need to have the important thing of like Dobby stopping them from getting on the train and them stealing the car. But that whole scene just reeks of like, oh, we want to make this a a ride at Universal Studios in five years. So we're going to have a, a funky car ride following a train. Yeah, it doesn't really do that much for me. Yeah. Um. Uh, but you also had the part where Dobby's over there stealing his letters, right? And making sure he doesn't get any letters from his friends. So it's like Dobby is doing the wildest things to try to prevent uh, Harry from going to school. He gives him no information and he literally like physically harms him and puts him in these situations where the Dursleys who hate his guts want to now kill him. 
It's like, yeah, yeah, it, it truly is the worst way to help. It truly yeah. is the worst way to help. But then, yeah, he goes to Ron's house. And I absolutely love this part of the movie. You talk about like the car ride being something that you could definitely see as a ride in Disney. Like if you go to the Hogwarts world in Disney World, you know, it didn't look like too magical, but it seemed unreal. It looked like a place you can go to. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like that house no, I get, seemed, I get like what a, you're saying. Exactly. Like a place. It looks that like you people could, could live there. Exactly. And it, it seemed nice. It seemed homey. The, the way it looked from the outside was dope. It was a really nice homey thing. The knitting on its own, the scrubbing of the pan on its own. I yeah. loved it all. I like I mean, all they do. Touches. I mean, this is the classic trope because Harry is a one percenter, but we can't hate him because he's an orphan because he gets to that house and he's like, I think it's brilliant. But look at this dude. I mean, he gets everything given to him. And the next scene, they go to Diagon Alley. He gets free books. Yeah. And this motherfucker just takes him. <laughs> Why don't you just give him to your broke friends? Famous Harry Potter. Can't even go to a bookshop without making the front page. And you buy your own books, you bum. This dude has, he, he literally has stacks of gold. Gold. It, Legit like, gold. Stacks of gold. Yeah. And he's never like, yo, Ron, I got you. Yeah. I got you for these gifts. Thanks, Thanks for, for looking out. Me. Thanks for rescuing me from my prison. That was like, <laughs> nah, Juan, run that dog shit wand all year. I'm not going to mention anything. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, but yeah, it is cool. it is it is nice that he he Harry sees all this stuff and you kind of be like, I mean, Harry would probably give all the money away to have a family anyway. But yeah, it is cool to, to see how the weeds are. Yeah. And then uh, Mr. Weasley, Arthur Weasley comes in and asks about the rubber ducky. I thought that was nice and cute. I th it was nice. It was nice being at the, the Weasley's home. But then after that is when they ha have to end up flying to school. And you saying you're not a fan of the flight. You're not a fan of the car ride. Yeah, It's just you see it once you see it. There's no like extra to see, you know, there's no, there's no extra to be gained. Yeah. A couple of things just about the flight, like the CGI in the movie, uh, specifically with Dobby and this flying of the car. I mean, towards at the end of the movie with the snake, we can talk about it again. But I don't think it's it's not even hard to watch. It's like, OK, I can tell how bad the CGI was, but it's like it's watchable. I think it's pretty decent. I thought the CGI was pretty good. Yeah. There's just a couple points where you can really it really shows maybe they have to cut some corners. The Quidditch scenes are amazing. Still, yeah. still yeah. look great. Yeah. There's one scene where Harry goes into Riddle's book and that CGI is when he gets sucked in. Yeah. That CGI is atrocious. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I think most of it, it aged pretty well for 2002. And a couple more things about the flight over with the, the car ride. It's the first time watching this movie where I heard the cracking, like Ron's voice in this movie cracks a bunch. And I think Harry's a couple of times. And I thought it was such a good touch for them to leave it in the movie, for have the, to have their voice cracking. I don't know if you even noticed it. But also, the wildest thing. When Harry is about to fall out of a car with the door open and Ron reaches his hand to grab him, Harry has the balls not to grab his hand for his life, right? He touches his hand and says, no, I won't because your hand is sweaty. He's about to die and he's complaining <laughs> about sweaty hands. The way they disrespect the Weasleys in this movie Dude, is, is insane. They disrespect poor people left and right in this movie. <laughs> before we move on, before we move on, if you notice them when they went to Diagon Alley, I know that they used the flu powder, so it was like- but That's crazy. But the way that they look, bro, they had- They look shit. like chimney I'm, sweeps. That's what I'm, I'm, bro, I'm like- you guys can't wash your face, rinse your face before. I mean, it's 
no mom would like not have wipes for yeah. her fucking face. You can't be walking around in public like that. Yeah, with dirt on your face and Lucius nah, Malfoy yeah. is like the fucking Weasley. Dude, the, the, dude, the Malfoy is rolling through. Elite, elite. elite. Gang, I mean, gang. just can't talk about my family like that to my face. Yeah, like that, just shitting on everybody. Draco doesn't have a takes a lot of L's left and right, but I think he's one of the better child actors in this movie. Oh, for sure. What? Goodbye, sir. Sorry, father. Right, like um, I thought Neville was much more fun in the first movie. This movie, he just seemed like they only made him say silly things or outlandish things. I ignored one from my grand once. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, or him like being the like the fainting in the class and stuff. Draco, like he holds his own. He's a great child actor. We got to talk about Lockhart because that's coming up, and they end up they get introduced, and then they go to his first class, and that's when Neville gets brought up to the top i just he's so incompetent it's crazy from rip it's not like he knows the basics and then like when he gets into stuff complicated he gets twist and turn he just talks a lot of shit and then can't do anything to the point where it's like how did he even get this job like in the job interview he didn't like confound dumbledore or mcgonagall they would have known he was completely incompetent yeah, I mean, and it's like a magic school. So wouldn't they be like a okay? Show me doing your dark or your defense against the dark arts magic. Show me an example. Yeah. You don't just get the job based on the things you say you wrote in a book. I mean, it's right. ridiculous. But then this goes back to what we were talking about in the first one. It goes back on um Dumbledore's head. This dude is just you know incompetent. incompetent. I honestly think there's a there, there's a scene here where like Lucius comes in and he's like, "Yo, we gotta take, we gotta we gotta fire your ass." And you got to be suspended. I was like, yeah, yeah, he's got to be suspended. Kids are getting petrified left and right. And this dude is just out here being like, oh, you know, it's dark Please be careful. for Hogwarts. Yeah. Stop. It's dark time for you. <laughs> Wait, just... for real, though. For real. Wait, but let, let, let's take this. Let's take this scene by scene. OK, you're talking about the first time that Gilderoy um, does his class, right? Does like his, class. his his intro to the class Dude, makes it maybe 30 seconds before he has to run back in his room. Ridiculous, bro. Like, ridiculous. These kids would just tell their parents and the parents would be like, what are these kids learning? If the dude exactly. is just running to his room. This, he, he wouldn't. I honestly don't think he would make it to winter break. It, it, there's no way. It, it's not possible. And the, th the craziest thing is, I'll ask you three to just nip the rest of them back into their cage. He runs into his room, grabbing like the pictures of himself, and then he looks at the kids and he's like, I'll let you guys solve this? Like, yeah. how does this not... How is this a thing? How is it a thing? I no. do have to say, for those who read the book, the book makes it a whole lot more plausible, right? There's like yeah. some if ands, or buts, right? Like, maybe he's not completely stupid. But yeah. in the movie, they have to because they can't spend enough time just showing how possible... I think they, this they, yeah, I think they could have made him a bit more competent and maybe he more. knows like maybe he knows like one charm like he knows the memory stuff but maybe they had him do like maybe the duel with snape he doesn't just get his ass kicked like he knows a couple of things so he can hold his own a little bit even though he's full of shit most of the time so sad jobs who the hell is steve jobs but let me ask you this before we move on. Uh, you you drive a flying car to school. You have you regular human being seed. You crash it into a, like a, a, a like a very important tree at school. Snape is like these kids need to be expelled, and then McGonagall gives them detention. Isn't that insane? Like you think they deserve like a suspension is like something right? Something real, not a. Well, how like, do you suspend someone at a 
at okay. Hogwarts at a boarding school? That's a great question. You send them back? <laughs> I honestly, I just think this part has always confused me about Harry Potter. The world at, in general and the rules that govern the magic and the, the muggles, muggles and the interwinding because they seem to have this thing where this magical land, right? But then there's a lot of places where they intermingle and they yeah. just walk next to each other. But there's also times when they're just they're not they're just out in the open, flying wands, doing. I mean, and yeah, he was like, you, you could have just jeopardized the entire wizarding world. But I'm like, oh, how? Yeah, how, bro? Come on, how? <laughs> I'm so confused. It's and a- if you have the ability to make everything invisible or whatever, why wouldn't you just make every magical every- car invisible? Done and done. Problem solved. I just don't get it. I just, I just physically don't. I don't get the rules. Like, if one flying car can jeopardize the entire Wizarding World, then I. Then <laughs> I don't what get are we it. doing here? I mean, <laughs> uh, oh, I mentioned it earlier. There's a solid mystery, you know, hair of the wit thing, beware, or whatever, and then the Chamber of Secrets is open. It's very Dan Brown mystery type deal with it that feels a lot more grown up than the first one. Number one, it's written in blood. Yep. There's a sense of Harry's got to have to solve this himself with his friends. Then that's why I like it a bit more than the first one. And and they do it in a really smart way, right? Because obviously at the end you 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 get that the the snake was doing it, and the reason that Harry's always just there in time is because he can hear the snake. It's not just like oh he just so happens to be at the petrifying every single time. Right. So they they do that well. And that's why Harry's going to have to be the one to uh, figure yeah. it out. Because like Ron says, hearing voices, even in the wizarding world, is considered crazy. The hole in this whole thing, well, besides the fact that all these paintings on the wall can't see shit, apparently. <laughs> they um, can see everything except for the snake that's <laughs> fucking terrorizing. Uh, besides, besides that little, little plot, plot point, none of the teachers are experts at anything. This is what always gets me. Hermione solves the case. If Hermione was Harry Potter, all these books would be about like three chapters. <laughs> but but I just don't get why you, one, two petrified kids, you just don't be like, let me just go to the weird animal book and just see what petrifies people. Exactly. The list can't be more than five. It can't be more than five animals out here that you look at them and they petrify you. Yeah. I can, I'm astounded that it like because the basilisk basilisk literally fulfills everything that has happened, and I think anyone that knows anything about mythical beasts would be like, "That's a basilisk." That's a basilisk. I, I just from the the fact that no one gets it. Yeah, Dumbledore is like, "This is just a stumper. It's a mystery. We it's we can't. <laughs> and then their solution is like, "Yo, we will. Everyone will get escorted." I'm like, "Dude, if you got to escort kids back to their dorms every night, shut down the school from school from class to class, even shut from down cl- the school. Exactly, exactly. Um, let's, let's find the culprit first, please. Another reason I really like this movie. This movie has pretty much the most Quidditch. I think um, so. It has a lot of Quidditch in this movie. Yeah. And I really like that. Uh, the first one. I think this is has Quidditch explain, in the series. Yeah. Right. The first one has to explain a lot. And then obviously the Goblet of Fire, the book has the whole World Cup part. And that's really fun. But as far as Quidditch actually being shown was, in the movie, this, this is, one has it. And I really like that. I think Quidditch is, I like we talked about if we would do a remake and I mentioned that having a Quidditch TV show, I think Quidditch I would think be the way to go. Yeah. 
Me yeah. too. I yeah, I think that's the way we have you to get do. everything. You get the magic, you get the action, you get like the tension. It's like you you can't lose doing it um, doing Quidditch. And with the and like you said, it was the part of the, of the CGI or like the green screen or whatever they had to do that looked the absolute best. Yeah, Dobby, just a buzzkill in this movie. <laughs> you um, I like I know they had to have him in there, and I know he's like trying to save him, but. Dude, every time this dude shows up in the movie, you're just like rolling your eyes. I yeah. So you talk about after he gets his arm broken and then he has to go to yeah. the hospital and then yeah. he comes back. Yeah, it's weird. It's very yeah. weird. Um, Go- but- Lockhart's hilarious with that with that arm shit though. Yeah, absolutely hilarious. Like that would get you kicked out of school as a teacher. Brachium, Emendo, bruh. Like that one thing. Could you imagine? Yeah. He's like, fix my bones. There's no more bones in your arm, right? He's like, look, I fixed it. At least you're not feeling any pain. And then the, the nurses, she's like, are you crazy? It's going to hurt so much more for me to grow bones in your arm than it is. Of course you get kicked out. This dude is useless. He's ridiculous. The whole polyjuice thing. One of the key issues of all these movies is something bad happens and Harry has two suspects. Snape or Draco? <laughs> somebody else. <laughs> oh, oh, those okay. are the only two suspects. I mean, he doesn't stop this shit the entire time he's at Hogwarts. Well, in that case, it's absolutely, positively, undeniably gotta be red herring. Those are the only two suspects. So obviously, <laughs> the Chamber Secrets is open. Even Hermione's like, dude, Draco's an idiot. Like, he's not the heir of Slytherin. Yeah. But Harry's like, now nah, we have to find out. He's so got the this- answers. They do this whole polyjuice thing and they go undercover, which is, it's a funny part of the movie. You introduce the morning Myrtle. The foreshadowing in this movie and the breadcrumbs they leave is pretty good because that ends up being the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets. Yes. One of the greatest lines in the movie is when Crab or Goyle is talking to Draco and he's like, why are you wearing glasses? And he's like, I was reading. And Draco looks at him and says, you can read? I was Dying, bro. Yeah, that was and that was improv too. Draco forgot his line, just yeah. made up like I didn't know you could read. It's so good. Why you wearing glasses? Um, reading. I didn't know you could read. I have to think to myself, Crab and Goyle are legitimate idiots. The way they yeah. play them too, it makes yeah. me feel honestly bad for them. These two yeah. kids come out with hands full of donuts. Yeah, running. they're like on the spectrum. That's yeah. what they're moving like. They see two muffins hanging from the fucking magical, and they look at each other, cheese and stuffing their faces with muffins. Yeah, it's like it's, they don't know critical thinking. Watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, I'm like, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. these sad kids, these sad kids. But yeah, but no, least, no, they yeah. get the information. It is pretty good. And they find, yeah, they actually succeed it's one of the things where they succeed and they get out of there and, and nothing really bad bad exactly. happens yeah a lot of snakes and spiders in this movie i'll, I'll say exactly. snakes and spiders uh come up a lot and i'm not not many people are a fan of either of those things the duel so we mentioned this earlier i wish there was more duels i know i know it's kind of hard to to put them in movies and i just but this is, is it though is it is it hard to put it in the movie i really don't think it is I, I mean, think... they have a dueling club. There's many reasons that people can duel. And, like, all they have to do is, like, this class, we're learning how to disarm. This yeah. class, we're learning how to, I don't know, um, turn the person's whatever. Like, I don't think it's that hard to do. I would love a scene in the first or second one where it's not duels aren't just, like, one shot, one shot. 
where yeah. they're actually like going back and forth. I mean, uh, it's, Ron but, legitimately says that. You did mention how shitty the CGI was when he gets sucked into the book because the yeah. book happens and then he goes follow the spiders, right? Because after he gets sucked into the book, that's where he sees um Aragog in the history memories and then when he comes out of the book they go follow the spiders but that's after like it's there's so much that happens in that little bit because he gets sucked into the book he comes out of the book and then Hermione gets petrified and then Ron and Harry have to go into the woods right to follow the spiders yeah I uh honestly this just leads me to believe that wizards are just really shitty people and they just, they lock people up. <laughs> yo, honestly, the fact that they were like, yo, Hagrid, you're going to ask, man. What proof do we have? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but we know you were around 50 years ago as a student. So we got to lock you up. You're and up. I'm like, I'm like, Azkaban is crazy. <laughs> you are going to Brazil! Getting sent to Azkaban with the mentors, just on the like slight suspicion that you might have something to do with the beast. I mean, this this shit makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense you, whatsoever. You think, you think about it for more than 30 seconds and you're like, what is going on here? Meanwhile, they got the heads of the Ministry of Magic just showing up being like, Azkaban, go. <laughs> You're um, out of here. Straight and down. just goes to show, Dumbledore ain't doing shit. You Dumbledore's see. like, Dumbledore's like, yeah, I, he's my guy. He didn't do anything. And they're just like, no, we got to take him. And Dumbledore's like, all right, fine. All we got to right, take fine. him. Yeah. And and you can't work here anymore. All right, fine. I guess. I mean, it is. It's, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard. But we have to talk about the spiders. When they do go to the spiders after uh, Hagrid gets taken away to prison, <laughs> the car. I mean, the gas efficiency on this. It's been, what, four or five months, right? Since they yeah. got into it's the It's been school. hiding out in the forest for a while. Uh, the car saves him pretty good. Aragorn gives up. He does that villain thing of huge exposition dump right before you die. Yes. Uh I think a spider would have just killed him yeah. uh, because what are we explaining? Should, are you, you talk, you explain your food, what <laughs> answer him questions before you kill him. This is a part where, yeah, use some magic and spiders are slow and then they're fast. They're slow and then they're fast. I can't tell how, what the, how the, the spiders are fast as a car, but then they, they beat them to the, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to ask no questions. That scene where Ron gets like attacked by a spider and it goes around his neck. Yep. And I was, and nothing happens to him. It's like, what, what's happening right here? Yeah. It's, that's a scary scene. Like, I would have probably cut that. Like, that's scary for kids. I feel like they get back and Hermione's pretty much petrified. She's petrified. Yep. And, but she's done all the work. Everything. There's, they don't have to do Solve anything. The yeah. entire case. At this point, I think if you just showed that to McGonagall, I think that the movie's over. These professors would have been like, thank you. Go back to your room. We'll, we'll look into this. And nothing would have happened. Yeah. Three petrified kids later. The only thing is, the only thing is, unless Dumbledore d does have parcel mouth and can do the the, the the snake talking, no one would be able to get into the Chamber of Secrets because you have to do the parcel mouth talking to yeah. open up that thing in the bathroom. I, I, yeah, ideally, what you should do is when they open it, Ron should run. And, like, they should open it. Harry and the other dude go in there. And Ron runs back to get like to go get help. Exactly. Yeah. That's what should have happened. Yeah. That's what should have happened. Or they could have also just Ron left. doesn't even have a wand. So. Yeah. They could have just left Gilderoy and just been like going. They could have went in there, but Gilderoy yeah. wouldn't have went for help. He wouldn't have went for help. That dude is. But Gilderoy, yeah, Gilderoy, the slimiest, most. <laughs>
<laughs> the finale. I just it's a finale. Uh, yeah, the whole finale. He down Tom there. Riddle. He does the reveal on the in the air. Tacky. That's probably the worst yeah, part of the. Yeah. Well, you don't have to. Worst write part it of out, the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> but I could. You, that's like you're you're a kid and you get you're like your your brain blows up. You're like, holy yeah. shit. Oh uh, my god! He moved uh, the left around. Is Salazar Slytherin? Is he the guy who set up the 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 Chamber of Secrets? He's the guy who built it. I mean, yeah. he put some real fucking work into something yeah, two I, people can get into, bro. Yeah, I know. Kanye, I just know Salazar. Kanye would have been a fan. Kanye would have been a fan of Salazar Slytherin. He would have made sick Slytherin merch. He would have lost it's, that Adidas contract. Bro, that that the the entire basement floor. And again, Dumbledore is the worst. I mean, how? How does he not know no, there's, there's a city, city below his school? Yeah. That yeah. place is humongous. Yeah. I just don't, I don't even get that snake is massive. How is it crawling through pipes and no one knows anything? Yeah. There's a plumber somewhere that's like yeah, what's these water Finch pipes doing? are massive. Yeah. Who's the plumber for Hogwarts? These pipes are massive. Yeah, we've got fucking Mario running around these pipes doing bullshit. <laughs> Uh, it's the, insane. Salazar uh, Southern too. I'll just mention this: if you're going into business with three other of the most prominent magicians ever, and you're starting a school, I feel like when you start a school, the first question would be, "Who do we who, want to exactly. come to this?" That's school? the one. Uh, yeah. Who builds an entire fucking school? Spends all that time and effort, and then turns around and is like, "Oh yeah, so I'm thinking we let everyone in," and you're like, "What? What? I thought we were just doing pure bloods. What's going on here?" How did that even come up five years down the road? That would be day one. So then would have been like, nah, fuck y'all. I'm building my own school over here with just pure bloods. That would have just solved that whole thing. And but, I do uh, have to say when Professor McGonagall Ray earlier in the movie does the explanation of the four greatest wizards and she tells that story, I do like that scene. She, she explains it really well. Yeah, that's it. I just solid movie. How can you say that's it? What did you think of the ending? What did you think of Harry m- magically getting the sword and stabbing the ma- like the huge thing in the head with the phoenix coming in just in time and poking the eyes yeah. out? How'd you feel I, about all of I, that? I this is one of those movies I'll say if it was just a standalone movie that ending would have been like a 6 out of 10, but because when you finish the whole series and you understand what was actually happening, happening. Yep. and at play here I think it goes up to a seven, even eight, because then you start really admiring yep. like the, the the groundwork that was being laid super early. The horcruxes, All the magical items that can defeat the horcruxes yep. that are weaving their way through. And you really are like, yo, J.K. Rowling really like had a banger here because you look at the opposite way. Right. You see George R.R. R. Martin still trying to come up with like the seventh book of the sixth book of Game of Thrones. He's so far behind because he's trying to he's trying to close he's all these together. Gaps. Yeah, he's yeah, he's trying to put all those things together, which is and like you, very you difficult. See, right. Yeah. And J.K. Rowling, meanwhile, is like had a plan. Even in two, it, the groundwork's being laid. The first one's kind of it's on its own because it's just an introduction to the world. Right. Yeah. But the second one, it's like, dude, this is actually leading up to the seventh book, and it's important. And you can see clearly, like yeah. clear as day. Like yeah. even from the first, but definitely with the Horcruxes and all of the things, it, they do play major um, roles. And like, and you're so right because I think that is the major complaint right now. With like, I know you said it's superhero fatigue, but even when you do watch the Marvels, it's like Infinity was fantastic because when you get to that end game, when you get to Infinity War, it's like it all comes together. All of it makes sense. So. Yeah. 
I guess I guess I'll give it more credit because I was saying that this was I don't want to say the worst scene, but I, I wasn't a fan while I was watching it. I, yeah. I don't know. It just didn't hit right. It just didn't hit right for me. And especially with Voldemort doing all of this explaining and yelling at the snake. You can you can smell him. You should just do it. This is a fucking basilisk. Well, Why is it wrong. listening to Rid- Riddle well, over it here? It says because he's a hair of Slytherin. But also, but also because uh, I also like the fact that, you know, Quirrell, Voldemort's the back of a head. Yeah. And as, as much as you want to fear the back of the head, you, you I mean he was covered up by a shawl for 99% of that movie. Of the movie, yeah. This movie, I like the fact that Voldemort's here, he just has no power behind him. Gotcha. So he's doing all the villain shit that you know he's moving like a villain, but he knows it's and it must infuriate him. If the whole series is kind of moving in the shadows and he has to use people, but those people inherently fear him. Yeah. And they're like out of fear, they're helping him. This time it's like he's a memory. He's his own Horcrux and he's trying to use that. And but he can't actually like harm Harry himself. And I really like that aspect to it. Because when you then describe it like that, it does it does help a lot. It helps the the that that scene quite a bit. Because I was like, this it just seems a little silly. And also, like as badass as it was for Harry to do the stabbing to end the basilisk's life, the phoenix and the the sorting hat. Do you think it's too coincidental? Do you think that it made sense? Did you enjoy that? I think it's such a cop out for Dumbledore. This yeah. motherfucker needs to go to the, the board of governors. <laughs> he needs to be tried for some shit. Because I mean, yo, flu powder down there, mother. You know, show up, operate, do whatever you need to do. What are you doing? <gasps> What's your job? First off, if it's <laughs> He leaves it for a 13 a 12 year old kid to figure uh, out. I versus- am a, like this makes no sense. He's the most pop yeah, like if Dumbledore showed up, he could probably wrap that whole shit up in two seconds. Exactly. Meanwhile, he's like, no, no, you getting stabbed, you getting bit. Yeah. I mean, come he, on. he leaves his words of wisdom. I'm never yeah. gone if people believe in me. Go fuck yourself, bro. Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that is the end of the movie. Do you have any uh, favorite scenes or like absolutely worst scenes for you? Favorite scene, Quidditch. Worst scene is all the Dobby scenes. And I will say, I'll ask you about yours in a second, but I will say if they're remaking this show, this entire movie series into shows. So every every movie is going to be a season. And I okay. will say this one feels like one of the key ones that gets fleshed out a bit better. A bit because because there's so much missing. There's so much. There's a lot of Quidditch well, missing. Not, yeah. There's a lot of Quidditch missing. There's a lot of Snape Harry um, interactions that just go missing. Yep. Uh, so you don't really get that. Um, why does Snape and Harry hate each other? They kind of just pass each other by. Exactly. But uh, but I would love. I think this is one of those movies that would get helped a lot later on down the road. The movies kind of just go lockstep. With, I think they they kind of find their groove. And they find the right stuff to keep and leave. But I, I think the first two are kind of so focused on being kids' movies that they... That it's almost away. hard, yeah. Uh, because yeah, so it starts to get th- way too intense. Uh, my favorite scene by far was the credit scene. I don't have like a least, least favorite. Like a, uh, I think this is the worst. It's just, I don't know. I think the movie, like there was aspects of all, like multiple scenes that I was like, like that pulled me out of the movie way more than I thought was necessary, but I don't have yeah. one worse scene. A couple of quotes that I do want to tell you. I think there's just one because I told you the other ones. When Gilderoy first walked in um, into his class, he says, yeah. me, I'm telling the class that it's him. Gilderoy Lockhart, 
Order of Merlin, third class, honorary member of the Dark Force Defense League, and five-time winner of Witch Weekly's Most Charming Smile Award. But I don't talk about that. I didn't get rid of the abandoned banshee by smiling at her. And then it's amazing. It's amazing Amazing work. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's beautiful. One of my favorite lines. I do like that. I don't know if you have any quotables, but if you do, if you don't, any final thoughts on Chamber of Secrets? I think it gets slept on a lot. I think a lot of people don't like it. I will say, I think it's, it's underrated. I think, I think a lot more people hate it. And I think at the end of the day, it doesn't, it shouldn't deserve all the hate it gets. Yeah. And like, I hear what you're saying about it being a building block, but even if it's a building block or the foundation of like the future of like book seven or the, uh, a movie seven, right? (laughs) Even so it's still a movie on its own. Right. And it has to live up to being, it is is a long movie. I'll give it that. It's a long movie. And like, I'm on the opposite end of view. I honestly think that the first is much better because at least the first you're getting introduced. So all of the stuff feels cool and new and exciting. This movie, it, it felt very choppy to me. Um, And like, I don't know if I'm getting like mind melded because because I'm also reading the book. So when you read the books, everything seems so seamless and it makes sense and it flows right. But then when you watch the movie, it just feels like all right, this next scene, we're jumping into this, we're jumping into this. How did they decide about the polyjuice potion? When did they learn about this? Is this something that everyone, it's yeah. just, it's a lot. It's also, of- that's one of those things too, where time is really hard to get in the movies. Right. You know yes. It's condensed in a year. Exactly. You can't tell if this was actually happened next week or in a month. Exactly. When they go like the polyjuice is in a month. That really means nothing to you as a viewer. Whereas if it was a TV show, you, you could actually to- have start the polyjuice potion in episode two. And then have it be ready at episode five. Exactly. And then you get the idea of of what's conspired in it. That's what this movie needed. But But it's hard because you can't have this book be two, three movies because... It'd be a 19 yeah. movie series. Yeah. It just it wouldn't make any sense. So like, listen, I'm not uh, like the script writer. I I don't know. I'm just telling you, I did enjoy one more so than two, and it just felt a little choppy for me. This movie felt a little choppy for Fair me. Enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, please, please, if you guys are listening to this and you want to hear the book review for Chamber of Secrets, got to subscribe to our podcast because uh, the book reviews and all future book reviews will be podcast exclusive. The next episode we do, the next show we do is going to be my favorite book and my favorite movie, Prisoner of Azkaban. I am truly excited. I already started reading it. Yeah, those Dementors in Azkaban, bro, just reading it gives me the shivers. You talk right. about how this movie gets real. That movie, I'm, I'm excited to read. I, it's, it's, I think it's the best made movie out yeah. of all of them. All right, until next time, catch you on the flip, guys. Deuces.